Cheers. Welcome. Now that's resounding. That is fantastic, isn't it? <laughs> I'm Ambi. I'm Kana. And welcome to Kana's new favourite pub. Yeah, <laughs> I was just saying, this place is wicked. It, it reminds me of something like a Victorian uh, wine bar. Yeah, yeah. Where gentlemen go after they get their suits tailored or something. That's right, yeah. You know, we've I got the classical music sets the tone. They've kind of created it as a bit of a, a, a speakeasy, but you're right, it's like a Victorian era one, you know what I mean? Like very, like um, the mahogany, the candles, you know, look at the candelabra behind us and the wallpaper and the flowers and and all the bloody, all the, the grog that's on the wall here, all the different bottles of scotch and God knows what else they've got. It's obviously an old warehouse of some sort. It's got the beans up there for support. This is, so we're in Savile Row. Savile Row. Savile Row in, yeah. in the valley. And um, we've been to a lot of good places, but... Yeah, this one's nice. This one's yeah, something else. This is classy. This is too classy for us. I think, I don't know why they let us in. <laughs> and and and, to, and to find the place being a bit of a speakeasy, literally, there's no signage. There's, there's no advertisement. Just, there's not, you, there's we're just, just walking. An, there's the an orange door. You have to know that you have to go through that door, and then when you go through the door, you go into like almost like a broom closet that's two meters square. Yeah, yeah you and, have to know to go through. And then you space. go, what the fuck do I do here? Your eyes are adjusting, and there's a curtain, and you pull back the curtain, and then you start coming into the the bar. That's, yeah, that's, that's nice. What are you drinking? I haven't even sipped it yet. I'll sip away. Cheers. I'm drinking a um, a seasonal brew by Young Henry's. My God, that's good. What are you drinking? It's called the other. I think it's called the other wine company, and it's a Grenache from um, yeah. McLaren Vale or the Barossa. I'm not sure. Oh, fuck, that is good. Oh God, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta go home and get a bottle of that, are you? Oh shit, yeah. That is fantastic wine. Okay, so is it sweet, bitter? Oh, no. It's it's there's definitely like a sweet fruitiness, but there's a very much a tartness. It's like a like a real tart red fruit type of flavour. Okay. Um, and almost like a. A cloves afterbite. Oh, so it's like a bit of mulled wine in a way. Yeah. yeah. Oh, nice. So what have you got? You got a young, got Henry's, a young Henry's seasonal ale. Seasonal ale. And it's uh, very dark. Yeah. Um, it's very dark for an ale, but it could be the lighting. Um, but it's easy on the easy on the palate. You know. It's... Mate, I don't, don't want to. I don't want to worry. I don't want to do the podcast anymore. I just want to sit around <laughs> just and, sit and drink wine. Just <laughs> sip my wine. <laughs> You're um, on your own. <laughs> So this is episode 21. Um, 21 today. 21, 21 today. 21 today. You know, we've reached a year old as a podcast. Yes, by yep. the time you've when this goes live. Yep. Um, we've moved on from a rooftop bar um, and to a well, environment that it feels, yeah, you'd, you'd want to turn up in a waistcoat and a cravat. And your top hat. And a top hat. And like don't that. forget your cane. And the cane. A little yeah. big diamond on the top. Yep, yep. Swing that around. No, what a wicked spot. Mm. 
Anyway. Um, so are we going to bother talking about any diplomacy or we're just going to talk about the, the place and the wines and the beers? Oh, I suppose we better talk about a bit about diplomacy, given it's a diplomacy podcast. Because we kind of just, I said, look, at we've just got to start recording straight away. We've just got to capture the way we feel about this place. So we didn't even get a chance to sit down and work out <laughs> what we're going to talk What about. are we talking about again? <laughs> <laughs> we, we were in the last joint talking about pushing back to a general conversation around variant development. That's right, yeah. And Vorben asked around, so what do you need to do about creating a variant? Yeah. So let's say you've got a, you've got a map that you like, mm. right? You've, you've either developed it or you've found it on the net and want to put it into code. Um, essentially, what you need to do, you need to make that map um, ready for the um, PHP... Um, code base to recognise it as being um, uh, a readable. Thank you. Thank you. As being a readable um, thing for that particular code to pick up. And look, I think this is actually a really important topic because, okay, yeah, we've got people like. Um, I'm starting to get pissed already. I can't remember who we're talking about. <laughs> well, well, for Sorry. instance, Michael B. Michael, okay, yeah, so, so Michael B. And uh, Vorben's obviously asking, and then there is who else we were talking well, about before? It's, it's a perennial. A lot of people asking these questions question. all of a sudden. Yeah. Because um, Michael had a, I liked it. Did you see his map? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a, uh, it's it's World War Two. Um, it's a world map of World War Two. Looks pretty cool. Mm. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see. What, what, I, I can't read from the map what it looks like as a. Um, from starting positions and starting units. Yeah, I think there'll be a lot of balancing um, for uh, that to really work, but I think it's got a lot of potential there. Um, I think that's one map that's well and truly overdue because I know there's obviously a World War II map currently based around Europe. Yes, but on the on the, the global, global scale. scale. Yeah. And, and what I kind of raised with him is making sure you get that right balance occurring. So... It depends, on, it depends on what he wants to achieve with his variant, you know what I mean? Whether he's going for normal straight balance or whether he's going for some form of historical accuracy. Because when you come into the historical accuracy, then you go, okay, well... You have to take some areas... You know, um, America needs to be you know, reasonably strong. Germany needs to be very strong, depending on the time frames of when you actually want to begin the game. Yes. I mean, one thing I like is... I think I've actually played it once, is like Axis and Allies, you know, where that kind of begins at the, um, I suppose, the uh, the greatest extent of the Axis, you know what I yes. mean? Where yeah. Yeah. you've got significant penetration of Germany into um, Russia, you know, they've taken over all of Europe, you know, except yep. for Britain. Yep. Um, and, you know, America's just got into the war. Japan's going pretty strong at that point of time. Yeah. I think that's probably, from a balance point of view and historical accuracy, that's probably the closest you're going to get to the right time to make a World War II diplomacy map. Alternatively, you could kind of... Um, Here he is. ...hobble or um, disadvantage... <laughs> Sorry, there's another sip on my wine. Uh, ...disadvantage some powers, so... Even though America's in the on the map, you could arrange for it to be in such a way that it would take several seasons before America could effectively 
enter into any kind of battle. Yeah. Whilst, um, whilst at, it could, at the eve of World War Two, whilst Germany's got easy expansion opportunities and can grab a lot of territory fast without yep. opposition. Yep. Based on how England's positioned. Um, around the globe, say. So, I think, know, you're, I think mean, you're right. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it'd take a bit, quite a bit of balancing, but I reckon it'd be a really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even when you think about really prior to World War II, um, yeah, I mean, America obviously was in Hawaii, as they are now, but America was the colonial power, inverted, you know, in inverted commas, um, the of the Philippines. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And you could well and truly make it. You know, the Philippines in such a position where you might start with a standing American unit in the Philippines. Well, you might start it with an army, you see, which you'd have to then transport off before it becomes a useful supply centre. Yeah, yeah, and make it easy for Japan to take it out so that exactly. automatically yeah. America's so, at a disadvantage. It yeah. kind of pulls the two into conflict unless, of course, it's a negotiated agreement between the Japanese and the... Which would obviously, you know, because you're playing with an alternative... History. Well, it depends on how yeah. you want to play the game. Well, yeah, well, that's all these decisions you have to make as a variant creator for something like It's not just a variant creator, it's the players. I mean, well, I've, I've played. Yeah, yeah, but do you want to allow for that to happen or do you want to create a scenario where that would be unlikely to happen? Yeah, okay. Yeah, do you see? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. you have to play around with that balance for it to. It, depending on what you'd like. Yeah, you know. Because I've played, I've played World War Two variant game and also obviously the classic board yeah. in as, as where you know you kind of actually have allocated teams where you agree as part of the players that we're going to play the game historically yeah so you're, you're playing um austria germany Italy. turkey um, so austria germany turkey versus russia france england and then you've got to set particular rules for what you're doing with italy yeah because italy kind of flips halfway playing, through yeah yeah and so there's variants on that, but no, I mean, the world uh, thing, I mean, there's definitely a lot of potential there. I'm looking forward to seeing how he balances that. Yep. Um, but coming back to uh, how you actually go from, you know, an awesome looking map to, um, well, how do you prepare that for being um, something that you can start coding? Yep. Yeah. Um, so, a long time ago, Cap King Atom. Um, made a King Adam. Do you remember King Adam? No, where was he playing? He was on playing on V Diplomacy, um, and he made. I don't remember. Um, this, Sorry, King. This this variant Habella. Um, it's uh, called it, he called a free flying fantasy to start off with. Is um, it still live? It's still live. It's still there. Really? Yeah. I've yeah, never seen yeah. it. Um, I'll, I'll pull it up um, on V Diplomacy in a second. Okay. Um, but he posted this in the a tutorial, is it? in the web diplomacy forum so forum.webdiplomacy.net yeah forums which is the developer location for these things anyway he posted this thing um and i thought well you know i'll prepare that map for king atom to then um code so in this in this thread and i'll make sure you've got this link here in the show notes um i've walked through him the process that it takes to actually turn a map into um, something that's ready mm-hmm. to be, um, well, basically the, the, the base map, the map names file, yep. and the color, the colored territory 
regions because you need to um, colour each region a yes, unique colour. Yes, a unique, colour. Oh, out of the, is yeah. it 255 different colours within the RGB? 255 colours to choose from, you can't choose white, you can't choose black. I don't know, whenever, I, whenever I've done this with some of the like variants that I've created, something always fucks up and sometimes whenever I kind of, usually, I'll, I pick one colour and it comes at something else and I go, what happened there? Yeah, um, so I've, what, what did happen there is probably you've accidentally um, doubled up on a colour mm. or you've placed um, one of those colours in a different territory accidentally. But yeah. this, this um, it, it's basically a walkthrough. Yeah, don't, don't, you know, it's a walkthrough <laughs> on how to actually go about doing that yep. um, in, in relation to making um, the map names and the colour-coded territories ready for um, upload into a PHP lab. Yep. Yeah. Um, and it's worthwhile to sort of look through that if you're actually thinking about developing. There, there's, there's, because you can only choose from 255 colors, right? So if your variant has more than 255 land territories, yeah. then you need to make an additional layer of the map, which is why it took so long for me to, to develop up um, the World War Four 6.2. Right. Um, so how does that work with having an additional layer? Well, you basically have to split a map into multiple transparencies and then you need to tell the code that's actually two Is this kind of like what happened with Known World between an East and a West? Known World is lucky um, in that it is okay with just one because it's just under 255 territories. Okay. It's like, oh, hang on. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was just under. Okay. Yeah. Um, but no, um, it, it, and, and it, was, it was straightforward enough for King Atom, who had absolutely no um, prior, experience. prior experience in making it, to then take his idea and do the exact same process for the large map. And that's the thing, you need to kind of create not just a, uh, a map and then a map names file, you've got to do a large map and a large map names file. Yeah, that's well, yeah, you need a large map and a small map, like yeah. a thumbnail of it. Um, unless it's a, like a, a huge map, like a world map. Where you just start with large. Where all it the time. just stays all large. Yeah. yeah. Um, but going through that process makes your map ready to um, be uploaded into a lab. Now, we used to have a lab at V Diplomacy. Is that going to come back now that Ollie's maybe doing stuff? Um, I've got my fingers crossed, um, but there's been nothing said. I hope so. Um, in the meantime, time, there's uh, the Russian lab. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've, I've, I've had haphazard, just my personal experience, because I got in touch with Flame, and like, I'm sure Flame's got all good intent. But, you know, I kind of managed to upload the Pirates variant there. The thing is there, you've got um, rule changes, which are a different kettle of fish altogether. Yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah, but, but for basic Are you talking about just basic, you basic know, map, take a map, no standard, standard rules. rules. Yeah, know, okay. You might want to change yeah, it to yeah, build anywhere. And he did that himself, didn't he? Because yeah. he did that with Napoleonic and Mongolian. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, it's all there to, to use. And those are the okay. standard tools. Um, you know, and no pun intended, is, you know, was looking at um, maybe redefining that process and maybe there's discussions going on there that I'm unaware of. Mm -hmm. I hope there are. Mm -hmm. um, but 
that that has been the route route um, to um, preparing your map to be coded and w when the map's there then you just need to basically go through using the tools which are allowed uh, available for you uh, on on the lab to basically say this territory its location is at x axis y axis yep that's where that territory lives and you got and you, remember, go, and you, you also got to say where to put the units yeah well that that's map. where that yep. territory lives and, and what then the, the connections PHP, are between no, each of those just before that okay, then, the, then the then the program, the, the PHP program, recognises that colour at that location of the XY axis as being that territory's yep. uh, value of, of what that territory is called. And you just basically got to go through all the territories, assign what they are, their land, their coast, their sea. And that's an important thing to talk about as well, yep. I think, because obviously land can only be accessed by armies, mm -hmm. sea can only be accessed by navies, yep. and coast can be accessed by both. Yep. And depending and on the variant, or just sort of, you can, you can muck around with the variants a little bit there. Um, yeah, but even, that, even then yep. you need to be mindful that you can only convoy obviously over seas, you can't convoy over coasts, and, and yes you can kind exactly. of yep. um, hack the code, as we've talked about before, to kind of create environments where, like in pirates. Where, yeah. uh, or even even a couple of episodes ago, when we were talking about my idea of you know ninjas versus samurai, where you know you'd actually turn an army into samurai yeah, and similar navy to, into um, ninjas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, then you know those little code hacks, you then need to know. Um, well, you, the, the easiest way to do those code hacks is to look at other variants that have already done them grab those code snippets and include them in the same spot so that it appears in that other variant that works. And that's why, I mean, I think it's great that, say, um, no pun intended, obviously working or having some conversations with Ollie around about bringing 1900 to VDIP. But the one that I would love to see be brought across would be Versailles. Yeah, Not just because yeah, yeah. it's obviously a really amazing variant, but if you actually developed it, if you had that code base across, that ability to have a individual person in control of a major player, but also in control of a minor player where people don't know who owns the minor player, um, that I think would be a real boon for VDIP. Yeah, I think it'd be a wicked variant to have mm. um, there. Um, so I've just pulled up Habelia, which is the game made by King Atom. Um, it's an eight-player game, um, and it's probably the first time that Ambi's ever seen this variant on VDIP, but it lives there, so you can play it. I think it's because I never used to go to these fantasy maps, unless they were like a fantasy thing that I'd like. Like, I'd, I'd go to a Game of Thrones fantasy map, you know what I mean, probably and play that a, if it existed. Um, you know, Lord of the Rings one, you'd probably give it a go, or something you can uh, connect actually, to. Actually, I'm, I'm not a really big Lord. I mean, I've read, read some stuff, but not a lot. Game of Thrones, yes. Anyway. Hey. Very interesting. It's an interesting one. It's got this unique territory at the bottom of the world so, um, that connects to a whopping amount of territories, which could, you know, can be uh, uh, quite a strategic thing. It's got a couple of um, canal territories. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, the, the games I have seen played on this one um, have been, have been um, well, good games. 
Anyway, so have I answered how to go about creating a variant once you've got a map? Yeah, look, I think the only thing that we haven't talked about, which we kind of skirted on at the start, was the whole concept about what you're trying to achieve when it comes to balance in gameplay. Yeah, yeah. And there's some great articles at the Diplomacy Pouch and... um, uh, that, have, that have come up over time at places like um, the Diplomatic Corps as well as a couple of these other um, variants. There's some there that you particularly think are worth highlighting because I just make it up as I go. Um, well, the Variant Bank has a couple of articles there from memory about um, supply centre ratios to yeah. territories. Oh, okay. um, so does the Diplomacy Pouch. I remember. So you're going to just Google it. And you'll, people can work Googling it either one of those two, you'll be able to. If you can't really work out how to use Google to work out that shit, then well, you shouldn't be then, allowed to make know, a variant. God help you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but the reason I brought your attention to that um, build, um, which I did for King Atom for the map, is that we used to have uh, quite a good wiki. Yeah. Uh, which has since been lost. We're hoping to get that back. It's not that data's not lost, um, but we had a step by step by step by step by step by step by step um, process on doing it. not just how to do the maps, but how to. Put and that talks about how to use in. GIMP and all that type of shit, yeah, didn't it? Right and down to the yeah, right down to the fundamentals. But yeah. that 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 um, that one um, by King Adams, there it's still there, it's still accessible. Um, and that's the best place to start. There's a couple of other articles in there on the forum thread that you can access that um, also give you a bit of a, a, a assistance in that, um, but are also worthwhile looking at. So, I mean, we've just mentioned before about Michael and his World War II thing. Um, Jason4747 was had you know, contacted us also about... It's, it's, it's Jason Regner? We said Jason4747 is his, his user ID, but... No, no, he, um, he, oh, yeah. he specifically... He's actually mentioned his, his real name. Yeah, um, and, and the French way, the Renier, is how I'd say that. Renier, like Renolin, no? Renier? The French way, the Renier. 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 <laughs> he does specifically... It doesn't really work well with a name like Jason, though, does it? Like, Jason Renier. I don't know. I don't, sorry, history? I'm, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not making fun of Jason's name at all. It's just that... Sometimes we have trouble figuring out how to pronounce stuff. We are, yeah. Um, Especially when it comes to Ibises. <laughs> yeah, we are at the arse end of the world and we don't get a lot of exposure to other languages. Um, but Jason, Jason Renier, um, uh, he, he uh, was the creator of... He, he hasn't created it yet. He wants to create it. No, no, he, he created World War 2020. Oh, yes, 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 2020, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah no, yeah. not World War, isn't this is called 2020? Uh, no, it's called uh, War, World War 2020. War in 2020 War, or War in 2020, um, which uh, several years ago now, I um, actually stumbled across this variant when I was looking, I was actually looking for another variant, and I saw this um, old archived game of... Um, yeah, War in 2020. I found this old ar- archived game in uh, the, the Diplomatic Corps at yep. the time. Um, and it was a, a... It looked like a really simple 10-player map. And I thought, oh, gee, you know, I, that, I mean, that looks like a really you know swift thing I could easily port into the code because yep. I was heavily doing it at the time. Um, and by, a, by 
a bit of sleuth work, a bit of detective work, I was able to sort of uh, reconstruct from the archive history where the supply centres were and what was connected to what, oh. essentially. And so I thought, okay, that's enough. You're I like a little on. Indiana Jones, you know, archaeologist working out how these things worked in the past, bringing it all together again. Yeah, except for the recent Indiana Jones. That was a horrendous abortion of a movie. Is the that the one where it was old? No. Oh, Crystal Skull, yeah. Yeah, yeah. oh my God. Yeah, right. yeah, well. um, the start was okay. Yeah, it wouldn't get downhill from there. Oh yeah, yeah. The start, the start's always good. It went downhill from the time he got into the refrigerator and got blown up by an atomic bomb. And I thought that was, I thought that was good up to that point. Yeah, it went downhill from there. That's what I said. After the da 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 da, then it just went downhill. Dun 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 dun. So you know, I had a lot of fun putting that in, and it's actually proven to be quite a popular variant. It's probably played more places than 2020. 2020, more places than anywhere else now. Um, yeah, yeah. So uh, he actually goes into this. He, he goes into it uh, when he, he writes to us um, that he he, he made it um, about 20 years ago, and then he really kind of, he kind of forgot about it. You okay. know, and it was only through my sleuth work that kind of resurrected it and and brought it back well, to life. Well done, Indiana Kana. Indiana Kana. <laughs> Yeah. Um, we just need like the hat and the whip. But anyway, I mean, he's got this really cool idea about uh, a Vietnam uh, uh, Vietnam yes. War veteran uh, variant. Yep. Um, the, the, uh, the the apocalypse then, um, which which just sounds sounds wicked. Yeah. You know, I mean, what an awesome part of the world to really, and one that hasn't really been looked. At. I must admit, I've always thought about the idea of some type of either a Vietnam War or Korean War variant, but I never got around to it, you know what I mean? There's always seemed to be something else, but it'd be something that I'd love to play. I don't know if I'd actually spend the time to make it personally, because hopefully someone else would. Yeah, and hopefully Jason does. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I have to say, I have thought about like a um, uh, like an Angkor... Empire. This is totally different. There's like thousands of years between this, Kana. No, but it's a similar, so similar region. You know, I mean, you can't do the Vietnam War without including Laos, modern-day Thailand, Cambodia. Well, this is, I mean, this you is, just can't. Okay, this is where where, the, where the game dynamics. Yeah, you got to throw about. in a bit of China. You got you got you got to throw in America. I mean, how how does that work? You know, is it, well, do you focus exclusively on that? I don't know. I mean, this is, this comes down to, I suppose, how Jason wants to kind of position the variant. Like, is it just a standard bog, you know, sorry, bog standard, you know, um, you know, north versus south type of thing, or do you have, you know, America involved, Chinese involved? What do you then have with regards to, you know, that? Access to territories that actually aren't part of Vietnam, but obviously Played everyone was role. running backwards and forwards yes. through Campuchia yep. and, yep. and Laos. Um, I don't know. It'll be. I mean, the great thing I think, not a great thing, but when you look from a, an historical point of view, there's normally America does very very well in wars. Vietnam didn't do very well in. You can kind of say the way things are currently going, quite you know, draw. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, look, look, sorry, sorry to jump away from that for a bit, but, you know, honestly, has America done really well in wars? Well, when they turn up in World War I and World War II, they did well. Yeah, well, name a war after that they did well in. Uh, After World War I and after World War II? Yeah. Well, Korean War was a draw. It was a draw. Vietnam, lost. 
Afghanistan, not exactly a shining example. Well, they weren't in it. Oh, oh sorry, you're talking about Afghanistan post 9 11. I thought you were talking about the Mujahideen and everything. Well, when they weren't involved, the CIA was involved with supplying them. Well, you know, they haven't exactly shone in Iraq. Look, I, I probably, you know, I'm just pointing. I'm just I think, I think, I think America does well in, 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 in shock like, and awe. No, 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 no. In more like just straight um, battlefield wars. You know what I mean? Where it's clear, army versus army, navy versus navy, air force versus air force. That's pretty cool. No problem yeah. at all. Yeah. It's where you've got this whole guerrilla insurgency thing, and you don't know who the enemy is. That's the issue. You know, I, 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 having said that, I mean, do, do, do you sort of claim the Cold War in its entirety as a war? Because if it is, then you'd say America won it. Well, correct. Yeah. Um, Although, at the same time, really, like, because now who, who controls? <laughs> who's really got the upper hand now? It's Russia, isn't it? No, yeah, election. Yes. Anyway, um, we, we we're kind of wandering off onto paths which are. Um, Yes. But no, I think it'll be great if Jason can kind of put together that variant. And now that Ollie's starting to come back on board, it might be the perfect time. Hopefully, this for, is it. You know, a few Maybe new it's like a little renaissance, a little, and a, a diplomacy a, renaissance. A big renaissance. Yeah. 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 I, I remember um, when I got seriously into doing variants and porting them across. Mm. I was. I was Averaging, you know, one a month for really? at a time. Yeah. yeah. You, you obviously just, just you, must have, you must have you must have some special secret source. Well, or... well, at the time I was a student, you see, oh, and I, I had the ability time. to, you know, I had a time to spend and and the passion to do that. So, because I must admit, for me, it would usually take me about three months to get a variant out. Yeah. And it had special rules and shit. Somewhere between three to six. Yeah. Yeah. And the problem is, by the time I started doing my next variant, I've forgotten what you have to do <laughs> yeah, to make a variant. Start, yeah, yeah. Which is actually why I started populating the, uh, the wiki. But the, even, the, even the, with the, the wiki, memory. there were certain things in that from memory that it didn't touch on, you know, when you're using GIMP and you're saving the file as an index something or other file. It doesn't really talk about that. It's just save the file. And it's like, if you don't save it the right way, it doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's why the um, that that link that I we, we spoke about earlier is a valuable one in that it tells you which. It way does to go save to that it. level of detail. Yeah, it does. Oh, it okay. says, yeah. It, what it doesn't go into detail about is um. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a couple of stuff there, but you know, I mean, anyone with a bit of intelligence can kind of nut that out or ask for advice on the forums, and someone will tell you. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, anyway, but that's probably a good kind of entrance into. Well, our, our new segment, no? Or are we going to make a podcast I don't know, the, about the frustrations is, of online diplomacy? I mean, that's one of them. Yeah, Lost it's, it's, information. We might just need to move the candle a little bit closer because I can't actually read the run sheet. Uh, <laughs> you know, lost information. Information that was once there, oh. which is now gone. That's the frustration of the life of internet stuff, isn't it? Yeah, like, so this was, this was a, um, a, a suggestion that came through from Super Dipsy over at Play Diplomacy around about whether we wanted to have a, um, a segment to include on the show around online diplomacy frustrations. The frustrations of online diplomacy. Or the on... What else? <laughs> <laughs> online diplomacy frustrations. frustrations. 
<laughs> but, you know, I mean, okay, so I've just given you one of my frustrations. Information that was there, but it's now not there. And it's yeah. frustrating, because you know it was there, and you have to kind of recreate it from memory to reconstitute this stuff that was about. That, 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 that was a frustration of mine. And I talked about frustration before that, which is like where the guidance isn't quite clear on what to do, and then you end up kind of asking someone, you find out, but you don't keep a good record of it, and then six months later you do it again, and then you can't remember what you said the last time. Yeah. And that, that's probably, you know, that's two from frustrations point of view. from the developer point of views. But things like, um, okay, how about this one? Um, people who... People who... Um, NMR? No, I was going to say... pointing at me. No? <laughs> <laughs> Tell me more, Andy. I said that in the last episode. <laughs> I talked about it. Yeah, yeah you did. I you know, I know there's a frustration, but... You know, but you took it on the chin. Yeah, okay, life happens. Um, but how do you deal with it when you're in a game and someone else in MRs? What, 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 what? They're fucking assholes. They're assholes, aren't yeah. they? Yeah, yeah. Some are fucking assholes. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess sometimes it's also... Um, well, I guess there's two responses to it. The first response is to say, oh, well, okay, it's online play. This happens. And keep playing yeah. Yeah. If the person then goes into civil disorder, well, okay, this is online to play, and let's hope someone picks it up. If not, the supply centre's free for grabbing. God, yeah. The, okay, <laughs> now I know which way you sit on this argument. The, the second, the second response is, um, okay, someone NMRs. All right, the game is tainted. It's no longer a game. It's given unfair advantage to players. Therefore, it should be cancelled. Oh, look, I agree with that if I'm kind of not doing very well at the arrangement. <laughs> <laughs> but if I'm doing well, then I think we should just make it, just roll with it, see, just see how we go. See, yeah, just a few more turns. Yeah, yeah. that's right, yeah, yeah. Just, just roll the float. Oh, no one, no one else has kind of substituted in. Oh, that's okay. I guess a couple of ways around it. Um, we've got a reliability ranking um, inactive at V Diplomacy. I'm pretty sure Web Diplomacy has one um, up and running now. Yep. Um, and you can make restrictions on games based on someone's uh, reliability, essentially. You know, you could say, okay, this person's missed 10% of their moves. They're not welcome because there's a chance in one in 10 moves that person's not going to enter a move. That's really and bad. And you can restrict it. That is really bad. That's, that's even, that's, know, that, that is worse than me. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but that, that, I was just putting that out there as an example and, uh, you know, an example that I could easily do mathematically after I've had a few points. Um, another way is to play in passworded games. Yeah. Yeah, so you only invite players you know are reliable. Well, that, or, that, that doesn't work very well because people still invite me all the time. But you're also a personality, Amber, Amber, you know. No, 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 they go, oh, good. I'll be nice to Amber. I'll kind of make sure that I position my units up against his border. He's going to NMR at some point in time. <laughs> so I don't have to worry about him stabbing me, but then when he dies, I'll just grab all of his centres. Okay. But That's probably why I get invited. The, the more serious-minded player probably wouldn't invite you, though, in that... In that. Oh, I'm thinking if, about if like serious. If, if you were being hardcore and you wanted like get 98, 99 percent reliability, I wouldn't be able yeah, to. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to join. Yeah. No, no, myself either. Um, but but they could make a passworded game and invite only people they know who have 100 percent reliability. Yep. So. Another way is to um, kind of 
make a pre-agreement prior to the game start. So you're making like a specific uh, recruitment for players to agree prior to beginning that if someone NMRs, the game's cancelled. No, oh, no, I've seen this work before. I have seen this work. Um, there's been some um, scenarios where this has been um, an appropriate response. This was more of a... Um, this was a larger thing prior to reliabilities being reliability ratings being introduced to the sites. Um, I don't know how I feel if I was in a game where the game got cancelled because someone didn't. Yeah, but if you agreed to it before it started. Yeah, but it'd be one of those things like you know when you kind of upgrade the iOS on your on your iPhone. You don't you don't read the seventy eight pages worth of stuff. You just go, I agree. It's kind of one of those situations where you might sign up to a game um, where the win the win scenario the win ratio has been changed from half of the supply centres on the board to a hundred percent of the supply centres of the board. Yeah. yeah. And you you realise about three quarters of the way through the game that or about halfway through the game that holy shit. There is so much more work I need to put into this game in order to win it. Yeah. You might have half of the board, but the other half of the board is working against you, and it's just like this nightmare environment. Yeah, but honestly, if, like, you got, if you got half of the... No, I disagree with you on that one. If you've got, if you've got half of the board, and you're up against everyone else, you can pretty much fuck them up. You can, you can work out a way to get rid of them, and it just means it just takes a lot longer. I think the issue is... The only, look, the, the only variant where I can justifiably say, OK, 100% of the board, for it to be a complete win, would be that England versus Turkey variant. Well, yeah, because one versus one. So if you win in Mar, obviously the other person's going to win. They're, having having <laughs> said that, having said that... No, no, we're not talking about NMRing, we're talking about winning. Oh, well, we were. We, we were. I'm moving on to win... Win what? Win, win, winning. 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 Hashtag winning. 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 Hashtag winning. Hashtag um, of winning. You know. Um, like... Hashtag diplomacy shit. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, okay. So I've just run out of beer. Um, but what I was going to say is, I think the issue... We're just, we're yeah, kind quickly. of... Tra- yep, yep, we're yep, digressing yep, a little yep, bit yep, there, yep. but I, I think generally... And here's, a, here's, a, here's, a, here's an online diplomacy bane. I don't think people read the conditions that they sign up to. Not always. Not always. Um, because no, I'll use me as an example. I NMR twice in the online diplomacy championship. You know what I mean? Yeah. I had every intention not to. I actually read that condition. Something fucked up. Things happened. Right. But, you know, there's been other games as well where things have gone not the way you expect. And you go, oh, didn't read that. Mm, mm. I mean, even that, like the Napoleonic game that we kind of did in a play test. Yep. Putting aside your constant NMRing and CDing, um, mm. you know nobody. I didn't CD once. I NMR'd a couple of times. I didn't CD. A bit more than a couple of times. But the point was, nobody even bothered checking. You know, or, or, or I don't know whether they kind of consciously knew it or not about. Oh, there's no neutrals. <laughs> <laughs> and like everyone was like at the same time, was like, where's all the fucking neutrals? Oh yeah, fucking. So cross, people yeah, don't check yeah, these yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. Me included. Me but, definitely but, yeah, included. I mean, this is part of the beauty of, um, you know, it's part of the beauty of playing variants is you, you're up against um, different mm. variations in the rules, in, in, in the wind conditions, in on the map itself. Um, 
Yes, yes. Um, so, I mean, yeah. Super Dipsy talked about, when it comes to NMR, so we've been talking about that, what can you do to limit them or mitigate them? I think you've talked a little bit about that, no, about the, the rule change, that, the rules yeah, over like, I mean, you can cancel the whole thing if it becomes people in NMR. Uh, what VDIP, other options are there? VDIP's also got a tool there where you can set um, uh, almost uh, an extension to the term, turn, if someone NMRs. Right? Yeah, it's a good idea. You know, um, so you can set up a game where a player is, you know, a player disappears. Yep. And then the game just skips forward the prescribed phase length, so it goes ahead. It just says, okay, this phase has been extended three days because such and such hasn't entered, entered orders. Yep. Right. And then you can set it to like an infinity setting. So that it can consistently repeat that until that person returns. Oh, if if you were that hardcore, about Actually, someone missing it. That's not a bad idea to try to avoid that. So that you would get a situation where the game doesn't go into fuck them. Yeah, I, know mean, what I mean. And the other one you can tweak twiggle with that one is that you know you can set it like does it infinitely amount, but after the second time it happens that player goes into an automatic civil disorder to allow time for someone else to take over that position. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that's like, that's a pretty fair setting to have, really. You know, I like that idea. Life happens that, Does twice. that exist at the moment? Well, that's on VDIP. You set that when you're setting up a game. Really? Yeah. So you go to a new game. Is that, if player fucks up... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's yeah. the setting? You go down, you go down, you go down, then you go to um, open advance... Open advanced settings, uh, mm. joining reliability ratings, and mm. it's in the NMR policy. Right? Right. Uh, you can change it from that to uh, serious, say. So what's that mean? Right. Where it, for an infinite amount of turns, it delays it infinitely until someone. Ah. Yeah, or then um, committed. Um, so for the first five turns, you have a two day delay, a two day delay. For something who has an NMR, and if they've NMR'd twice, then they get kicked, and someone allows to take over. Um, you can make your own custom, you know, that's, NMR policy. That's really interesting because, like, in all the games that I've kind of created, just like as a player, you know, you, you join a game, you want to create a game, get other yep. people joining. Yep. I just skip over that. And go. I don't even look at that. Just go default. Yeah. And I, didn't even, I didn't even check that. Well, now so, you know. So, so there we the go. The power that, of knowledge. That goes back to the bane of the post where people don't even bother checking anything. That's right. Yeah, okay. And that's another so that's, that's a really good mitigation <laughs> thing. So that's there. Yeah. I wonder if that same functionality exists within WebDip and also PlayDip. I haven't the foggiest. I don't know. I don't know. What I do know is I need a top-up. Yeah. Just... Yeah, okay. Quickly. We'll, we'll, no, no, go on, go on. I was just yeah, going to yeah, say, so we've been, we've been talking about the suggestion from Super Dipsy. Yeah. We have actually gone into detail about NMRing. He's made a whole heap of other suggestions. All right. Well, Is what the it, what... idea maybe to go out across VDIP, WebDIP, PlayDIP and say, okay, what are the banes of online diplomacy? What did you call it before? The what? The irrits. Irrits? Yeah. Irritations. Irritations? I don't know what it is. Yeah. But basically, what, what are people's pet peeves? Yeah. Pet peeves yeah. with online diplomacy. Okay. And we'll kind of then tackle them one, one at a time. As they go. Yep, yep, okay. As we kind of, as they kind of trickle in. All right. And yeah, maybe what like we should do then yeah. is, you know, 
maybe we'll throw some of these things back out to you know the admins and mods and say, what do you want to do about this? It. This is how another yeah, side yeah. does it. Yeah, all right, let's do that. Cool. Sounds like a plan. Sounds good. So we need to get a drink. We do need a drink. Awesome. All right. And then we can check what we're going to talk about next. Yes. So we'll pause now and we'll be back in a sec. And folks, we are back again. And Ambie's staying on his wine. I'm staying on my beer because they're both very tasty. Mighty tasty. Um, There's a few more people in there coming into the bar. Yeah, it seems to be like a little popular spot as well, yeah. It is. Could be because tomorrow's a public holiday, anyone's getting a bit shit-faced now, knowing they don't have to go to work tomorrow. Well, that's my reason. I don't know. Um, so if you come back here, if I come back here in a couple of hours, you'd be like sleeping under the table, all comatose. I'll be, I'll be happily shickered. Very nice, yeah, happily shickered. Um, so um, where were we? What were we talking about? When I went oh, we were just crapping on before, but let, let's let's get on to our. Oh interview. no, we we're talking about um, irritations. Yes. Um, have you, you got you got a problem? I don't want to know about it, but it's like a. No, no. I was, just, I was just I was just saying like. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, like, our, our next interview... I'll is put it away, Kana. <laughs> I don't want to see that irritation. It's, no, no, our next interview is someone who's very well-versed at dealing with irritations. Why's what? that? Well, he's a moderator. At Peter oh, Clancy. sorry. Jesus, <laughs> wet. No, I, just... I thought because I stabbed him in the back. <laughs> uh, no, and I'm an irritation. Oh, yeah, oh, right, right across from me is someone who repeatedly... No. Anyway, Captain Mean is our... Oh, no, I didn't stab him in the back. Sorry. What are you talking about? <laughs> no. <laughs> the wine's gone to your head, Andy. It has, it has. So, yeah. Captain Mean. So, we're talking to Captain Mean. Yes. Who's we a, are. Who's a, who's, a, who's a moderator at Big Diplomacy. He's and, in, um, yes. He's also got the comedy queue at Webkip. Uh, specifically Comedy Kid I love that name yeah specifically for um, the one versus one tournament that's been running there for uh, quite some time now yep um, and he also plays at Playdit he's everywhere he's a prolific player Captain Me everywhere yeah and of course because uh, he's a student <laughs> he's got time on his he's hands he's got time on his hands just like when and you were making all your um, your variants exactly and he's got enough time on his hands to um, talk to us talk to us he's obviously great. got way too much time on his hands <laughs> Anyway, without further ado, um, have a listen. Let's pause. So, uh, welcome to uh, another interview on Diplomacy Games, the podcast. Uh, today, we're joined by a well-known online identity across all three major uh, diplomacy platforms online, uh, and that is Captain Mean. Welcome to the show, Captain. Hello. Good to be here. Now, uh, oh, sorry, Kata, uh, you were about to say something then, were you? I was just going to back that up and say he's probably one of the most prolific players I've come across in in the uh, in the diplomacy thing. Um, he's not just a player, but he's also a moderator at B Diplomacy, and um, you've got the Comedy Cube on at WebDip. Um, Cap, that is that. That's just for a tournament at the moment. Uh, I just need the admin powers for the one v one showdown, um, which I guess we'll come to later. What is the Comedy Cube? I don't know what it is. Uh, the Comedy Cube is the moderator symbol. So it's, ah. it's known as the Comedy Cube because the moderators tend to uh, shitpost a lot over there. Let's <laughs> just say. <laughs> so, um, 
Captain also goes by, he has a real-life name, unlike most of our diplomacy players on the interviews, uh, and, and we've kind of had a quick conversation just before we started the interview about whether he's happy for his real-life name to get out there or not. Um, Captain, of course, is Marcus Zilstra. Did I say that correct, Marcus? Yep, that's fine. <laughs> And the reason we say that is uh, what we like to try to do on, on the podcast when we have our interviews is obviously identify um, players in the way that people know them. And I'd imagine that when it comes to the vast majority of people listening to this, which are predominantly online players, they know you very well as Captain Mean. Uh, but if you're obviously involved in the face-to-face -face scene, it's often good to be able to make a, a connection there. Uh, we've had some players who didn't want to do that, uh, and that's perfectly fine. Uh, but yeah, so if you're, you're cool with that, um, but we'll probably call you captain the whole time. Is that good? Yeah, that's fine by me. Awesome. So, I mean, you have a prolific, as, as we were just saying, a prolific profile across uh, VDIP, WebDIP, and also Play Diplomacy. Uh, how do you find the time? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I'm a student, so <laughs> it's very easy to find the time if you don't do all that much work. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, um, uh, I imagine when I get a job, because I'm leaving university at the end of next year, I'll probably ease up a bit on, on crossing sites. But for the moment, I find it, it it's kind of fun to be across a lot of different sites. Um, you get to experience a a lot of different styles of play, let's just put it that way. Yeah. Do you, <laughs> do you want to ex expand on that a bit more? Do you find that there's different styles of play on the three different main sites? Yeah, it's mainly due to the differences in interface, right? Because on Play Diplomacy, you have the ability to message multiple people at the same time in a sort of group chat. That just changes things up completely. Uh, it makes like bigger alliances much more normal. Um, if you play on WebDip, you quite often find those as well, but not anywhere near as much as you do on PlayDip. Uh, and it also makes it makes stabbing people a bit more interesting <laughs> because you can like send a group message to the entire alliance, and then you have to try and convince different people in the alliance individually to trust you and <laughs> go along with it uh, once you've made the stab on this one person. Um, yeah, and then I play on sort of VDip and WebDip because they're, they're sort of my main two, uh, because WebDip has sort of higher competition for standard games. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, by that I mean it actually runs standard games, because you barely ever get any started on VDIP. And I really like variants, so that's why I'm here on VDIP as well. Um, so apart from the, like, the different playing style due to what, what's, what's on the different sites, um, I mean, and you've kind of talked a little bit about how much or well, how you're able to kind of spend some time. Kana mentioned that you also have obviously a role when it comes to some of the admin functions. Is that just on one site or is it more than one? Um, so it used to be on more than one. On, on VDIP, I've been a moderator sort of, I think there was one time I retired and then came back again, but it's been since 2013, I think. Um, and on WebDIP, I was an admin for early 2014 and then a moderator again through 2015 so uh and i've been a crossover mod at various points to just sort of uh help out there when they need it and get some information back to vdip so that i know this user is maybe not to be trusted <laughs> when it comes to cheating um i've never had any sort of admin responsibilities on on playdip 
um, they they have their own guys for that. But yeah, um, I think it's kind of interesting how different the moderation is on the t- on the sites because WebDip is a hell of a lot larger. Uh, it's a bit more difficult to be lenient because once you go lenient on one case, you have to start going lenient on a bunch of them. Whereas on on VDIP, we get so few cases that we can sort of say, okay, I'll let you off this time, but we're going to watch you. And you can actually watch that person because you don't have too much else to do. Um, so you, you touched a little bit when, when I was originally asking about the different type of players and how that they work and operate. And that kind of, I think, t- took you down a path of, you know, it depends on the nature of the sites and, and how they work. Uh, from your perspective, you said you like playing variants, but you also like, you know, the number of people you can kind of find in a, in a standard game very, very quickly and the uh, the competition levels within WebDip. What do you see uh, as being one of the key things within PlayDip that you particularly enjoy? Uh, so I don't play on PlayDip as often as I do on WebDip and VDip. Um, it's mainly, like, the stuff I really like about uh, PlayDip is the map it looks fantastic compared to the VDIP and WebDip one in my opinion um, but I've I've really only gone back there for online diplomacy I used to play there a lot back in 2012 2013 and then I sort of went exclusively to V diplomacy for a bit and then I went back to play it for the online diplomacy championships and I'm in a couple of games there now I was going to um, ask do you find because of having a presence across all three and I mean, I'm I'm kind of occasionally on all three, but far more on uh, VDIP as an example, than occasionally on WebDIP and occasionally on on PlayDIP. But having that presence across all three, do you find that when you find a, a refugee, so to speak, who'll move from one site to another, they'll go, oh, you know, are you the same Captain Meme that's over here or whatever like that? Does that come up at all? Uh, it's come up occasionally. It doesn't tend to come up that often because. Uh... Sorry, Most of the <laughs> that's fine. Most of the, the door, uh, refugees from WebDip to VDIP, I guess, already knew I was on V Diplomacy because I have a big like statement on my profile saying, "Come play at VDIP, it's better." <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's still. I don't know if that's still there, but uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, unless, uh, unless I, I definitely. Get, unless of course you want to get involved in copious forum conversations. Yes, or play Mafia. Mafia is another thing I really enjoy on WebDip. But uh... okay, well maybe you can help us with Mafia because when we when we had Zulter on and we were talking about the whole Mafia culture, uh, he was like, "Oh fuck, if I know what that's all about, you know, they just go off and do their own thing." Can you kind of shed some light on the, on the Mafia culture that occurs within WebDip or what it's all about? Sure. So it's also uh, pretty strong on PlayDip as well. They have an entire sub-forum dedicated to it, and they're on like game 80 or something. On on WebDip, we're only on game 30. But uh, it's it's a sort of um, social deduction game, I guess. You have to try and figure out who the Mafia members are in the game. And there's a bunch of town roles, and there's a bunch of Mafia roles, and there's a lot less Mafia than town, but the Mafia all know who one another are. Every day everyone will vote on someone to kill and then every night every the the mafia members will kill someone um and you sort of have to work out from who's voting what and who gets killed uh who those mafia members are and try and take them out 
or if you are a Mafia member, just survive. Um, and I've been... I think Mafia was what got me playing across multiple sites again after VDIP, because I just... I was on WebDIP as a mod at the time, uh, and I saw this thread on the forum saying, Mafia 1, come sign up, you know. Um, and I signed up for it and played this, and then I played in every one up to Mafia 20, I think. So... <laughs> uh, but that was really the only reason, apart from moderating, that I was on WebDiff at the time, because I didn't play any games back then. Um, and eventually I got... So when it comes... Okay, so I'm, I'm just trying to get my head around this, and I'm a, I'm a simple man, so it'll take a while to kind of get my... to, to work out what the hell's going on. <laughs> when you... You mentioned before that voting about who's going to get killed. So is that voting just within the, the group... Sorry, the actual Mafia members, or is that including people within... Did you say the town? Yeah, so usually there's about... 20 people in a game and there'll be between four and five mafia members and everyone else will be aligned with town and town don't know anything <laughs> they have to try and work out something so during the day everyone will vote including the mafia members and the town uh and the person who gets the most votes gets killed and gets put out of the game um so not only do you have to work out who the mafia members are you also have to convince everyone else that you know who the mafia members are uh, that's probably the bit I'm better at. I I uh, tend to be very, very bad at figuring out who Mafia are, but once I think I know, I can get people on board quite easily. I guess that comes from diplomacy skills. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely seeing the attraction for diplomacy players um, to, to, to playing Mafia, that, that deduction of, of who said what and what you can read from that to pinpoint if that player's... Uh, a mafia member or not it's uh that, that, that's pretty um it's actually it's actually making me want to get sign up and have a go oh, yeah I'm sorry, uh, just, oh, I'm sorry just just i'm still trying to work my head around this kind okay, of let me just finish let me ask a couple more questions can mafia people sorry so can mafia members be killed uh yes they can but like during the day if they're voted for yes. uh by the majority then they'll die during the night, they don't tend to unless there's like an an extra complicated role in the game that's a third party going around killing everyone or whatever. But I won't get onto that. We'll just talk about the normal game. When you say day and night, what do you mean? Are they like phases? Yeah, they're phases. So day will last 48 hours, and then at the end of that, the person who has the most votes dies, and then night will last 24 hours, and at the end of that, the person the Mafia members decided on dies. So I'm kind of assuming then if you are a member of town and you obviously want to win the game, the intent is to try to convince everybody to kill somebody else except for yourself. Um, and at the end, is it, is it a case that there's only one person that wins or if, if all the mafia themselves, well, they get killed themselves, does that mean the game's over or, or how does that work? So either mafia wins or town wins. If you're dead, you still okay. get to share in a win. Just, um if your team manages to win. So town wins if all the Mafia die, yep. and Mafia win if at any point they outnumber the town. And do only living members of Mafia or a town who win um, share in that? No, all all so members share in it. Okay. Yeah, even dead members. This is intriguing. Um, Kane, have you got more questions on this one, or are you happy to let it ride? Well, yeah, yeah, I'm happy to sort of push it a bit more to the diplomacy side of things. It's, it's not, um, 
I've always wanted to know about mafia, and I've never been able to work my head around it. So it's been good to kind of get a, a you know a, someone's opinion who's actually plays the game. Hello. Hello. Yeah. 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 So, so a question that's been um, sort of bouncing around in my head, Cap, is how you what? Well, not not how you came about playing. Um, on V diplomacy, but more, what attracted you to playing variants in the first place? What was it that um, sort of got? Oh, I, I found this V diplomacy site, or yeah, I think you're probably back then when it was Ollie Dip. Um, at what, 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 what attracted you to playing variants there and becoming uh, such an active member on the site? Um, so it was actually V Dip when I came. I'm not that older member, uh, but. At first, I was playing on WebDip, and they have a few variants there, you know. Uh, and I played World Diplomacy 9, I think, which I absolutely hate now, but I absolutely loved at the time. <laughs> because it was the first it was the first huge variant, and being able to talk to so many different people uh, and negotiate, it, it just felt like a better game than standard. Um, so I played a few games of that, and then... I was also playing on Facebook Diplomacy at the time, and they have a forum, and right at the top of the forum there was a post that said, V Diplomacy is this but better, and it had a ridiculous number of likes, so I was like, okay, okay I'll check out this V Diplomacy site, <laughs> went there and had a look through the variants, I'm like, oh my god, this is incredible, <laughs> there's so much to do here, um, so then I started jumping into, like, Haven was the first big variant that I played. I think that one stuck with me for a long time. Uh, I've played so many different Haven games. Um, and yeah, it's just fantastic playing uh, a variant that's so huge. I haven't played Haven for um, for a while, probably two or three years. What what really drew you to that one? Uh, it's just how large it is, I think. With, uh, with something like World War 4, you end up playing a sort of continent-based game to start you don't uh, even further on right because the the atlantic ocean tends to deadlock at some point and the pacific ocean tends to deadlock and then there'll be certain powers who are too large to advance against on land and, and so on uh in haven you don't have that problem because it has nowhere near as much water and it's got this underground tunnel system where you can sort of just jump across the other side of the map if you have control down there that one tends to stay very dynamic all the way up till the end I think Haven's been killed off by the rise of uh, Known World 901 because Known World 901 is is Haven but better. Yeah, it, it's Haven without the gnomes and hobbits and elves, yeah. essentially, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, maps that are based in the real world always do better than than these fantasy maps because everyone wants to play a historical variant. And what's your favourite variant at the moment, Captain? Ooh, that's a hard question. Uh... I mean, it's split between an incredibly large variant and an incredibly small variant that are both on the same map. Um, okay. So, we've got France versus Austria is my like number one 1v1 map at the moment. I'm running an entire tournament around us on WebDip, and I've been slowly working my way to the top of their rankings. I used to be terrible at it um, back when we played. I think there, there used to be a thing called the 1v1 VDIP Cup, that happened a long time ago, uh, where you would play against a bunch of different Vita players. 
and I used to do really badly in that. But I've recently, I actually managed to qualify for the Web Diplomacy 1v1 um, Champions League. And then I came out of my group at the top and then got matched against the be- one of the best 1v1 players on the site who somehow had managed to come second in his group and got knocked out. <laughs> but yeah, uh, it, it's definitely fun. And the other one is on the same map. It's still on the standard map. Um, and it's Chaos. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Did you did you guys play in any of the Chaos games recently? Or? I, didn't. I, I, I was involved uh, with one of the Chaos uh, maps, I'm fairly certain. Um, and I think we were um, neighbours. And I... From, from memory, you were playing Norway or Sweden or Denmark, one of those? Oh, that would have been uh, Chaoptopi then. Oh, the Chaoptopi. <laughs> that's nearly the same. We'll explain that one afterwards, I think. So so for listeners, the, the, the Chaos map is basically basically sets... It's, it's, in, it's in the map of the standard diplomacy board. And, however, each supply centre is its own um, power. So you have uh, one person playing St. Petersburg one person playing Vienna, one person playing Marseille. Um, and it, it is, it's chaos, isn't it? It's, it's, it's nuts. Um, but it, it, it's a lot of fun in the, in the sense of having to negotiate with well, everyone around you to, well, survive that first couple of seasons and hopefully prosper, I suppose. Yeah, it's incredibly intense in the first year and the second year in particular because you know if you don't negotiate as hard as you possibly can, you might be eliminated on the very first turn. Um, that's just an incredible feeling. That's something you don't get from any other variant. Um, so you're running a one versus one tournament over at WebDip, um, and we touched on it earlier. That's got to take some insane amount of organisation to, well, just not just to get up and running, but to well keep track of everything. I mean, how... How much time do you spend, sort of, on, on a on a daily or weekly basis, just looking after this thing? And um, what what gave you the idea to sort of well, well to run it? Well, um, I, I got the idea to run it when uh, WebDip first ported variants across the the well the new variants, so specifically No World Nine Hundred One, which has now been disabled, and uh, France versus Austria and Germany versus Italy. So I decided. Well, we'll try and get these web dippers introduced to the <laughs> to the game by running a tournament that's open to everyone. Um, and it turned out to be a bit bigger than I'd anticipated. We ended up getting 110 players um, <laughs> in a double elimination format. That's a ridiculous number of games. Uh, so I used to I used to dedicate about I think I'd end up doing about uh, maybe three hours or four hours a day on it at the start just checking up on all the games and making sure that none of them have finished and making sure that games were starting when they were supposed to and bugging people to set them up and so on. But now towards the end, like as more players get eliminated, it's a lot easier. So now I don't need to really pay attention to it uh, that much because a game finishes like once every couple of weeks. Yeah, and it is um, starting to come close to the conclusion Um there's um are we are we getting close to a winner on that um yep we're getting very close to a winner so the double elimination is when you have to lose twice to be knocked out if you get eliminated once well if you lose one set then you go to a loser's bracket 
and if you lose another set, then you get knocked out completely from the tournament. So we've ended up with only two players who are still undefeated, and they're playing each other right now. Um, that's Zorxies versus Mercy. Uh, Zorxies is a ridiculously good 1v1er who's dominated like everything. I think he's dropped one game total since the beginning of the tournament. Uh, and Mercy just came out of nowhere. He was like completely unknown as far as the 1v1 scene was concerned, and he's pretty much sneaked to the end, and he's gotten wins against ridiculously good players. Uh, and every time you were thinking, oh, this is going to be the time he's knocked out, he's against Goldfinger or Gug or Santa Claus Owitz. Every time he's pulled out a victory. So it's a really interesting set to watch. Um, but then you've also got, uh, I think there are nine other players left in the loser's bracket. And there are three games going on right now. Uh, one of them's pretty much finished, but the the other two are also looking fairly interesting. Um, so, so how's the how's the Mercy versus Zorxies um, games shaping up at the moment? If the uh, if you had to um, pick one from what you've seen on the move so far, would you um, w- would you be game to pick a winner? Um, so, well, let me have a look at them. <laughs> I'll, did you want me to send you the links to them or, uh, um, I've just, I've just, sorry, I'm, 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 I'm kind of cheating. I've got, I've got the, I've got your, um, I've got your one versus one showdown, uh, thread up on web diplomacy here. Um, and, oh, and okay. while, you're, while you're doing that, you've also pulled up a few, um, spotlight matches as well. Um. Or, or games of note um, that that you've, um, or I guess you being the tournament director, you've you've, you've had this um, umbrella overview of the whole tournament, and you're able, and you've you've actually um, in this thread, you're able to highlight several games uh, for uh, different reasons. There, um, one's uh, Gug versus Gentani. Uh, and the Fulminator versus Thorndall L. I hope I'm saying these names correctly. Um, and you mentioned Santa Clauswitz and Y2K JBK. Um, yep, so uh, Y2K has won his set pretty much. Santa Clauswitz started entering all holds last turn because he's lost already. Um, the other two, I think uh, I highlighted four there because I also highlighted the the semi-final game, so I actually highlighted every game that's going on at the moment. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, um, it's Captain Spotlight was a thing I promised a lot earlier on. I was going to give uh, commentary on some of the games, and I'm planning to release that commentary at the end of the game. So, um, that's falling out of use because not many people joined it. Uh, so, uh, I basically said earlier on, does anyone want me to like commentate some of these games and and say what I think is going well for players and what's not and so on, uh, and that comment got I think nearly thirty plus ones, and then I never did it <laughs> until now. <laughs> so everyone's just been PMing me saying, "Do Captain Spotlight, do Captain Spotlight," and like, well, I'm playing a bunch of diplomacy games right now, and I'm trying to keep this tournament running by itself. Um, They're but... fighting a bit more than you can chew there. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But I yeah. I finally got around to doing it just then. Um, 
But yeah, also in the Zorxies and Mercy games, I think Zorxies has the early edge in both. Um, but if there's one thing I've learned during this tournament, it's never count out Mercy. <laughs> He's come back from much worse situations than this before. Well, I've, I've just pulled up both games, and as of Is recording, uh, the game one, Zorxies as France has eight supply centers to Mercy's Austria's seven, and game two has uh, neck and neck at eight supply centers each. So, um, well, wait with bated breath there, Captain A. Yep. It will, the result will probably be out by the time this, uh, this podcast episode goes out. So yeah, maybe I you think, can include think... a link at the bottom and, and say this is how they went. I think this is how yeah by the by the time that um this goes live it'll sorry by the time the actual interview goes live it may be over so <laughs> we will definitely link to it if that's the case either way we will definitely <laughs> link okay, that's great I'm, I, that that's been really interesting uh Kana, do you have anything more to ask about 1v1 uh, 1v1s no i just to add that i absolutely suck at the things i i i consistently get my ass kicked six ways from sunday and um you know i just take my hat off at people who you know nut it out and get better at it and have a fascination with the variant because it's, it's just not my cup of tea but I, I do really appreciate the strategy the strategic value to to the uh to that um that 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 style of play that's needed there cap i've got a question for you when it comes to variants you've actually created a variant well or well, pulled it across the variant which was um ankara crescent which i think zulta mentioned was his favorite variant um how did you, or what got you into creating that? And do you want to explain a little bit about that variant for the audience, for anyone who may be on WebDip but don't know about it being over on VDIP? <laughs> okay. So Ankara Crescent is, it looks like the standard map when you first look at it. Uh, actually, I should probably give some background. There's, <coughs> there's a game that we sometimes play on the WebDip forum called Ankara Crescent, where we basically aim to confuse new users. So we'll, we'll start up a thread saying anyone wants to play Ankara Crescent and then random people will start chiming in saying build Army Vienna, build Army Czechoslovakia or something. Uh, and then it will slowly descend into more and more insane orders. Um, and and you, you, then you, you, you remember you, the different rulebook spotlights and... Um, yes. Ooh, yes. Yes. <laughs> so it descends into a lot of arguing about the rules and saying, "Oh, but the Moscow ni- ninety-five addendum says that you're allowed to do this if this happens," and so on. Um, it's basically just chaos, right? Um, in the forum, and I decided I wanted to make a variant that reflected that chaos on the board, <laughs> and I think it 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 does that pretty well. Um, so the way it works is that lots of the non-supply centers are connected. So every land non-supply center is connected to every other land non-supply center. Every sea non well, every sea province is connected to every coastal non-supply center. And every sea province is also connected to every other sea province. So the result of that is that you're pretty much never more than four moves away from invading any other country at any point. Um, and because of that, it's pretty much only What's being played gunboat because negotiation-wise, it's incredibly intense trying to keep all six players from not attacking you when they're essentially at your borders <laughs> at all times. 
which is a shame because I'd like to see it more in in full press. But uh, it's produced some really amazing games. I think it's in particular Kano really impressed me with the with a game that we were both in where he was Italy and he just manipulated the board to make his convoys were incredible like, for most of the game because no one else really figured out how to use them. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I wish I could. I, I, I vaguely remember playing that. Um, I, I'll have to dig that up and have a have a have a refresh of that. Yeah. But that 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 ability to connect between territories is real um, value when you, especially with those convoys, um, is is yeah. a lot of fun. Because none of the uh, supply centers themselves are interconnected, it means that if you're defending yourself, usually you won't be able to invade someone else at the same time because your units will be tied down in your supply centers, and it's too far to move to get to the... Because uh, you have to move out into a non-supply center, then across the board into another non-supply center, and only then can you move or support into the adjacent supply center. But with a convoy, if you have a fleet next to your own supply center and another fleet next to someone else's, you can convoy an army straight into the supply center regardless of how far away it is. And Kana was the first person I saw who really abused that mechanic. Uh, I found the game. Uh, I like it. I like your words, abused. <laughs> <laughs> nice work, uh, well, I say abused. It was, <laughs> it was very clever use of the mechanics in the game. <laughs> you did, you did actually lose that game, <laughs> but, but only just. Hang on. Here we go. Uh, it's that one. But yeah, you. I think you were trying to two-way draw with the Austria, and the Austria just decided to take the solo instead. But yeah, it was a fantastic game to to play in and to watch. That's right, and defiant. Yes, yes. Oh, <laughs> I love that the last remaining Turkish unit was in Denmark as well. That just <laughs> sums up the variant. <laughs> so, I mean, um, I can't even remember if I've ever played a game of Ankara Crescent. I don't think I have. So, how do you actually try to protect supply centres which are clearly open to attack? Is there any real strategy that can be done apart from just bounces and things or just randomly trying to guess that someone's going to move there so you try to block them or so if you're playing full press then clearly you can negotiate which is that's the main way of doing it other than that um it's really difficult to protect yourself it's not impossible but generally if you're protecting yourself then you can't be attacking someone else at the same time uh so what I tend to do is I tend to try and station my units in the non-supply centers around my provinces and then only jump them across to the parts of the board when I'm certain that I can take something there and rebuild again at home. So, like, as England, I would stick my army in Yorkshire to start and then fleets in the Norwegian and North. And then I might move Norwegian to Norway, but I'd keep the other two where they are so that they are able to jump across the board on the next turn. Um, and then see what's weak, see if I can take two supply centers at the same time, jump across, take them, and then rebuild at home, and then station them in the same places as I did before. Um, I, I forget if it's a build anywhere variant. No, it's not. You can only build at home, which it makes it incredibly important to hold your home supply centers. Maybe we should um, maybe we should get a game of this up and running and... Put a put boss onto it. A boss game. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I don't think boss would work very well with this because uh, 
Well, actually, it would be interesting, I guess. It's just... <laughs> it would just feel um, absolutely impossible to tell who was going to be attacked and who wasn't. I kind of actually find it ironic at the moment, just so you know, Captain, whenever we interview anybody and we kind of start going into some detail around whatever is the main variant that they like discussing, inevitably Kana ends up throwing into conversation, how about we run the next boss on that one? And it's... <laughs> If he was to do this to everybody that we've interviewed so far, we'd have like about half a dozen boss games going on right now, but um, clearly that's not the case. I mean, I wouldn't be against that. I like boss. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so running half a dozen. Let's talk boss. Let's talk boss. So um, at, at the moment, you've been eliminated off the, the map, but you tend to be uh, very, very well positioned within the boss itself. Coming close there, Andy. Coming what? Sorry, Kana? He's in first place. Oh, okay, well... Okay. <laughs> so, so not, well, not just in, a, in a good position, he's in the top position there. <laughs> yeah, so, not for much longer. Again, you know, this is... So by the time this particular interview goes, gets out, um, the conversations we're going to be having will probably be at least two weeks, if not longer, old. Uh, at the, this point of time, Kana points out that correctly that you are number one within the boss, so congratulations on that. Um... What's been your strategy to date, and do you kind of where do you see things going when it comes to the the end game for this? Okay, it's a big question. Um, so my strategy from the start, uh, I mean, you've already talked a bit about the boss mechanics, but it was in a very early podcast, so I might cover them a little bit as I'm going along. Uh, basically, you want to invest in currencies to push the value up, and then you can only sell them off at a certain rate. So the best way to sort of manipulate that is by getting multiple people to invest in something at the same time. At the beginning of the game, that was my strategy, right? We, we would get a block together and just everyone would go into specific currencies. And the way that worked out was uh, myself and Rex, Rex Gar, Rex Agarum, Rex Gar, I, I don't know how you pronounce his name. It's not the know. first I, time. I think, I think I pronounced it Rex Garum. So how do you pronounce it, Kana? Uh, Rex Rex Garum? There we are. So it's different Garum. pronunciations, and we've probably all got it wrong. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> but yeah, um, that's definitely not the last time I'm going to mispronounce the name in this. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> we've got... So uh, myself and him sort of talked and decided to make this block and try and put ourselves at the top of it. So we managed to pull in, I think... Oh, who was it? Churin, Arabia, Egypt... Auxum, Axum, however you're supposed to pronounce that. I remember you talked about this in the last one. Uh, and then we also pulled in Wagadu. And the rule of it was we would specify a currency that you had to buy and an amount you had to put into it. And you had to put in at least that amount. Otherwise, you wouldn't be informed what the next buy would be. So we contacted all these people and said, okay, this is how we're going to set it up. This is our rule. Uh, are you okay with that? And they said yes. And that we ended up getting this quite large advantage early on through that. Um, which, I'm sorry you weren't part of, Ambi. <laughs> but you were too far away. I wasn't part of the Cool Kids Club, I know that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are now. Um, but yeah, uh, then we ended up trying to convince people to invest in, in Srivijaya. Uh, like, because... I think I bought into that, didn't I? And then it just went belly up. 
think so. Yes. Thanks for that. I, you might have been the only person who actually <laughs> fell for that. Oh, I'm uh, so, me, me and India made a plan at the start that we would take out Shrivijaya, we would try and get him down to one supply center, and then we'd invest in him, because that's the typical strategy in Bors. You want to drop a currency as low as possible and then, and then invest a lot in it. But the problem was that people kept investing in Shrivijaya even when they were being destroyed. They were like, why are you doing this? Stop doing this. We want the currency to fall. <laughs> so we ended up being in a position to eliminate him, but the currency wasn't really low enough to make it worthwhile investing. So we sent a message, a bunch of messages to people in the West saying, we're going to invest in all in in Shrivijaya this turn. Can you please join us in that? Uh, and then we killed him. Um, <laughs> so I'm going a nice shade of red about now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we ended up trying to do the same thing to Turin. And that time the currency did fall enough. Um, so... I kept Churin alive, and I invested an absolutely ridiculous amount in him. I think it was 90,000? 900,000? I don't remember. <laughs> so, no, 90,000, right? Yeah, it was something like, phenomenal. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was, yeah, it was absolutely ridiculous, and his currency went through the roof. I mean, it wasn't quite as big as India's currency rise a few turns before, but Turin's that was... Doing, in- I was going to say, Churin's not doing very well on the board at the moment, is it? <laughs> well, it's... <laughs> He's slightly dead. Um, <laughs> it's like a slightly dead parrot. <laughs> but he had a good run, I think. He survived longer than me. So, yeah, um, yeah I, I just want to point out that you, um, in some ways, you let the cat out of the bag in discussing how to really strategize um, in regards yeah, I, to... Yeah, I did. That, was, that was purposeful. So I made a forum post telling everyone this is the best strategy in this game. You should try and get a player down to barely any uh, supply centers so that everyone drops the currency and then invest a ridiculous amount in them. That was because I didn't want to be targeted for it. So I wanted someone else on the board to do it. Because if there were two people doing it, then obviously people who were trying to come in and crush that uh, the person doing it would have two targets. Um, as it was, I didn't manage to convince anyone else to do it for a very long time, so everyone attacked me. <laughs> that was where my game started going downhill. <laughs> um, <The tech> mastermind. <laughs> <laughs> so, also, uh, I attacked Rex early on because I thought, oh, there's no way I can expand except by attacking him. That was a massive mistake because that ended up allowing Russia to get a foothold in Asia and allowing Axum to get a foothold in Asia, and they kind of just steamrolled. And then the, the this is going through the entire game, so I'll try and speed it up. Uh, we ended up there was a point where Axum and Russia could have taken us out together, and they were planning to. So I invested a ridiculous amount in Axum so that I'd gain more victory points than he did if he came in and eliminated me, so he couldn't attack me anymore. And then we formed like this massive coalition on the south of the board when Russia and Germany were getting really strong, which was myself, Turin, India, Axum, and Wagadu. And we had a sailmate line set up, and it would have held forever. And then India stabbed, because he said he didn't want to... The way that I was doing it was I was letting Turin take my supply centers behind me to get more points. 
and India wasn't happy with that, and he just he didn't want me to be able to do that. So that just broke our line, and then Russia steamrolled over me, and so, hence I died. So what's going to happen? I've, I've, I've been wondering about how it is that India has managed to go from, from from my perspective as the GM. You know, I'm obviously not privy to any of the real, uh, you know, the heavy negotiations, but that has been one of the fascinating parts of the board is seeing how India's gone from being a, an Asian ally to a, to a Middle Eastern ally to a Russian ally and back to China again and helping out. And I, I just really, <laughs> I've been really looking forward to um, hearing that insight um, as to what was, what, what was going on. How, how, how did that <laughs> Yeah, so it was uh, partially due to my treatment of him earlier in the game when I stabbed him, and partially due to the fact that he would have lost if if we'd have stayed in our stalemate formation. I think he wanted a chance at first. I think he's lost that now because Ruff has gotten too far ahead, but uh, as in in on the board rather than in the boss. But um, yeah, I think he played it really well, India. He's just been flipping backwards and forwards uh, when he needs to. Um, I, I, it hasn't been. I've got a quick question for you, Cap. Which was you were talking about, you know, how you were working with um, Axum slash Orxum, uh, and your strategy of trying to buy into him in case he decided to kill you. So, um, as of recording, you have about seventeen thousand units of his currency, uh, and this morning I took over his last supply centre. Uh, so he's soon going to be off the board entirely. So your currency, your currency in him is going to be worth nothing, um, short of a, a miracle occurring. Um, so that's obviously going to have a bit of an impact then on your position within um, the actual um, the bourse itself. Maybe take you down from number one to maybe number two or even number three. Uh, so where do you actually kind of see the end game going on the bourse? Okay, so uh, first off, you wouldn't be willing to move out of that supply centre, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> what, uh, what are you going to offer me? <laughs> you said you don't have a presence on the board. You're not in a very good negotiating position. <laughs> <laughs> this is a very good point. But yeah, um, I, the, the victory point won't hurt me. Uh, the victory point hit um, because it's only 175 at the moment. That's... Not very much compared to the the point we're at, but the lack of the being able to sell that currency and put it into better currencies that will hurt me a lot. <laughs> so, yeah, that sort of brings me on to I think the first place position has already been decided. I think that's uh, rough rough horse rough house. Did he tell you how to pronounce it earlier? Or I don't know. We just kept calling him rough house, and he didn't complain. Rough house. Okay, <laughs> we'll stick with that one then. Um, so yeah, uh, Rough House I think has a first position guaranteed because he's um... unless of course he stabs. Oh, sorry, unless of course Bozo stabs Rough House and decides to start taking his SCs. I don't think that would change the boss. The main thing that makes Rough so strong is that he's got investments in every one of the like ridiculously large investments apart from Drachum. Uh, Drachum. <laughs> I told you mispronunciations would be a thing here, but um, yeah, apart from that one, he's got ridiculously large investments in every remaining currency on the board, uh, and so he'll be able to sell them off forever, 
he can just t- funnel that into whichever currency will give him the best result, and no one can beat that if he just keeps doing that. And the problem is, I also have investments in every person left on the board, apart from Wagadu, who's going. The interesting thing about Drakum, I think, is, as you're, as you're correct, he's very um, very lean in that, and that's, that's fine. You're lean in that, so that's good for you. Um, flipping ahead through the other people who are in it, Bozo's very lean in it, but um, Rexagum is has got a fair number of, he's got, still got 12,000 units in his own currency. So if by some you know miracle over the next two, three weeks, someone decides to start taking India out, um, that could kind of see him drop down the bourse. Yeah, but I don't see anyone taking India out at the moment because India doesn't have anything in Yarmouk. And that means that he can't contest first place. There's nothing he can do about that. The biggest problem for me is that I need to invest. Like, Solidus just went, right? So your currency got put through the roof um, by by everyone around you, which is really nice for you, but really horrible for me because I can't invest in this anymore, which means there's exactly one currency left that I can invest a large amount in and expect a profit from, and that's uh, the Indian currency. And the moment I do that, Ruff will go in and eliminate him. <laughs> so, so my game right now is, okay, I, I'm not going to come first anymore because Ruff has too much board control. I'm playing for second. If Rex is going to beat me, then I'll invest a ridiculous amount into his currency, and then Ruff will go and wipe him off the board and I can come in second. Uh, if, if Rex is not contesting that, then I won't invest in him, and I'll just let him survive. Uh, it's nice to be in a position of power when you're off the board like that. But, um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, first place is out of my grasp. I think second place is between myself and Bozo, and it just depends who Rough House, Rough House wants to let uh, take second place. And then third is whichever one of those doesn't get second place. One thing um, that's possible, and I'm just putting it out there, because, again, this probably won't get heard for two or three weeks, so it doesn't really matter. Uh... <laughs> is that when it comes to currencies, Roughhouse has, you know, 28,000 units in his own currency and only 16,000 within the German Talus, whilst um, Bozo, who is Germany, has 21,000 in Talus and about 29,000 in um, in Russian currency in the ruble. Um, I'm wondering to what extent, and, and you did kind of say you don't see it happening, um, Bozo does have currently seven builds up his sleeve that he can kind of employ at any point of time. Um, and, you know, there is the potential, I still think, that he may end up buying big into his own currency at the same time he decides to stab and build. That's just my own theory, which could actually see things turn a little bit and become the chance of how Bozo could actually beat Roughhouse. That's my theory. I don't know if it's going to come to fruition or not. Um, yes, I, I guess, but I think Ruff can hold his own uh, pretty easily in this position. He's got, he's not got very many units on his border right now, but he can get them there very quickly because the Asian provinces are quite large, specifically stuff like uh, Yugra and Komia towards the top there, mm-hmm. and you can also convoy units back um, using White Sea and the Kazarian Seas. Um, uh, he'll he'll be able to hold out if Germany attacks him, and he'll have Kazarian inside. I guess you'd be the first to know if 
Germany wanted to attack Russia because Germany would ask you. Oh, you, you assume that me and Bozo are, are, are close allies. Yeah, but if, if uh, Bozo doesn't get you on side and goes for rough, then he's not going to win. <laughs> he's going to get knocked back again. So the only, he would the only way ask. I see that happening is if at the same. Oh, I suppose it's possible. What what would probably be more likely is that whether Bozo said, "Look, hey, I'm going to take him out." Once he kind of starts moving his units towards him, do you want to kind of start you know nibbling away at him? I don't know, but um, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how that one goes. One other question on the bourse, and and you touched on this before with your previous role as you know having a um, a, a bit of a, a currency club so to speak with investing and uh, informing people you know hey you need to buy this much of this much you need to buy this much of, of this particular currency now that you don't actually have a position on the board itself how has your strategy changed towards that or has it changed at all um it's not changed. So towards the end game in boss, uh, what you're looking for to win is to get people on your side. So people drop out of contention. You see people like, um, hang on, Scuba Steve has zero victory points and no currency left, for example. Uh, and you've got people like Ingibot Keras. They're sorts of people who've dropped the game. But there are also people who are in lower positions who are willing to invest in stuff. And they have certain conditions that they want. So either I want to come in fifth in your case. Um, <laughs> but people start setting their standards lower and lower as they realize they can't win. So what you really want to do is you want to align yourself with people who... With as many people as possible so that they can help you win while you're helping them do whatever they want to do. Uh, and Ruff has a fantastic position in that he's in a board position where he can go and say to someone, what do you want to happen here for me to invest in, for, for you to invest in this currency with me? And pretty much anything they ask for, he could do if he wanted to. Whereas I'm really just saying to people, you know, you want me to win more than you want Ruff to win, right? <laughs> uh, and a few, a few people, I've got um, a lot of dead players on my side. I think Ezio still comes back and occasionally invests when I ask him to. Uh, Churin's been investing with me constantly since I kept him alive. Um, we've got players like Axum, uh, who just doesn't want Ruff to win. Um, players like Rex and Doc just want to come, just want to do as well as they can. Uh, so by talking to that group, I can sort of get them to invest in something, but they don't really have that much buying power anymore between them. Rex maybe does, but I can't afford to give him all the information because he might end up beating me if I do. So my control's slowly been slipping as all of my allies have been dying. <laughs> but um, I think I had a good group to take the victory. I just didn't manage to keep them uh, doing well enough to take it. As long as you learn for next time. <laughs> oh, I thought so. Um, there was a previous force game, right? So Ambi was in that. Kane, you, you both were in that. Um, I think Kane kind of was the game director for that one as well. What when she? No, no. Well, no. Guaros was, wasn't he? Oh, yeah, or, you're right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Correct. Yeah. Good. Um, so that was actually where I got the idea of doing this thing with Churin from, because as far as I recall, I think it was actually Ambi, <laughs> who, who. Uh, and a, a couple of other players who drew, who invested in Kazaria 
when they were about to be eliminated, uh, when their currency was at some utterly ridiculously low price, like it was a matter of tens of cents. It was like seven cents, I think, from memory, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and you guys invested so much in it, you basically knocked everyone who didn't invest in it out of the game right then. I was like, I'm not going to let that happen to me again. <laughs> Coming into this, that was why I did what I did with Chur, and I tried to do the same thing. But we, everyone was more aware of it this time, and no one was uh, willing to let it go down to seven cents. So, so on that front, you've actually made a suggestion uh, a little while back around the idea of the actual dynamics of of how what is what's going to be the win. You know what I mean? Uh, currently, it's all purely boss related, and I think you made a recommendation to include an element of both boss and also the board. I think it was oh, I'm guessing was it six months or so ago you initially made that recommendation. Yep. Um, has, have your thoughts on that changed since playing for a while? Yes, they have. I, th- I still think uh, victory point farms are too strong, but I think people can collaborate and knock them off the board like they did. Um, but like the the main point of it was, okay, being strong on the board isn't rewarded enough. And coming to the end of the game and seeing Ruff completely dominate everything because he had board control rather than, like, he didn't have anywhere near as big of a group as we had going in. He's just been investing with certain partners and going to people and saying, hey, do you want to do this, and so on. Um, He's managed to overcome that disadvantage from the start just by being strong on the board. I think that's a reward enough in itself. Uh, So I think I'm happy for the scoring to stay out as is. But I do think that there does need to be an end year because right now what's going to happen is the people who are on the board uh, still, no one will want to end this until they've all settled in, in their preferred positions. And they'll just keep it going and going and going. And if you're in a position where there's someone off the board who's got perhaps better boss skills than someone on the board, and someone on the board just wants to beat them, you could have a never-ending game there. But uh, yeah, the, the scoring system I propose, I, I'm not in favor of that anymore. I think being strong on the board gives you enough control in the boss, as is. I haven't got anything else. Can I bet you? Oh, I just I just wondered um, just quickly while we're on the boss, what would your preference be for the next map um, for the boss game to be run on? Ooh, uh... Well, I mean, if we could get it on a ridiculously large map like World War Four, that would be incredible. But we're not going to get enough players for that. Um, oh, I haven't really thought about this one. Haven would be great, I think, um, yep. if we can get enough players for it. If not, Known World Nine Hundred One is probably fine as as is. <laughs> like, it's a great variant, um, and there's a reason it's been the the target for boss twice. It works really well. Great, thanks. Yeah, well, so, oh, look, I'd just like to thank you very much for your time today, Cap. Um, it's been a very, very uh, interesting interview. It's been one that I've learned a lot from. Um, Kanda, you got any final thoughts? Oh, just thanks for um, thanks for spending some time with us and just having a chat about you know, a hobby we all love. All right, no problem. It's been fun. <laughs> thank you. you. Okay, folks, we're back. Hope you enjoyed that one. Cheers. Another nice, another nice. Chink. They got really good glasses here. Nice glasses. Yeah, yeah.
not quite as resounding as the last one because it's a bit more background noise, but yeah, still impressive. Cut through it. Anyway, anyway, that was a good interview. It was a good interview. Good talking to Cap. It was. It's great. It was great. And we, 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 we now know how he's so prolific yeah. on, 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 on three sites. Um, he's a student. Student, no doubt. Helps a lot. It, it must, yeah. But um, I, I do kind of stay... I'm sorry. I might be totally wrong because obviously we're now, when we're recording this, this particular episode won't come out for another two weeks. Yes. So either I will be vindicated by what I'm about to say or... Um, You'll have to eat your words. Eat my words. Yeah. And that was the conversation that I was having with captain around whether Roughhouse or Bozo would kind of win. Okay. Yes. And I think he was very much of the view of Roughhouse will win. And my question was, maybe Bozo will win because when this particular episode goes to air, yep. hopefully, cross fingers, for you, for me, yep. a big transfer of supply centres have occurred within the boss. On the boss board. Boss board, yes. Yes, yep. Which will, of course, push um, my victory ratchet points. your victory points up. And Bozo's victory points. And his too, because both he and I are about to buy into, into me. Now, now, this is very interesting to me, because we interviewed um, Roughhouse on the previous season. Yes. Um, who is your, uh, at this point in time, your... Ally. Um, ally. I hope he still is. And... Hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> and and um, we also interviewed Captain Mean. So if he, I suppose if he invades Crimea, I'll in, know why. How are we going for drinks? Oh, we just I think we just got one. Yeah, we're refilled. Thanks. But basically, it, it sounds to me like that, because this, this turn hasn't actually Processed. happened yet. So yeah. this is this is what you've put into place. I reckon, based on what um, I've talked about with Bozo, he's moved all the units in the right spots where he's just going to vacate about five supply cent- supply centres for me to occupy. Yes. Uh, at the same time that we eliminate both Oxum, Axum and Wagadu from the game. Right. Does, does Russia, Roughhouse, know that this is about to happen? No, he does not know. <laughs> Sorry, Ruff. <laughs> okay, so um, I'll be very... Uh, look, I'm going to be watching this turn very keenly. Um, oh, there'll, be the t- there'll be the turn after that you've got to watch really keenly. Yeah. Because yeah. either Bozo is not going to follow through and stab me, which I doubt. Yeah. Because he's actually got far more... Sub- he's actually got far more currency in my... Um, sorry, he's got far more units in my currency than he does in Roughhouse. Or your protector is going to be left out of this buy in your currency. Well, he will be. He will be. And he won't take that. He won't take that very well. I I, I don't imagine this. But that uh, being said, when you say my when you say my protector, the vast majority of all my supply centres now are based in Africa. Yes, and, and you're buffered by Kazaria as well. And I'm buffered by Kazaria, so the actual ability for Roughhouse as Russia to, to punish, punish me is actually quite limited on the board. Okay. And at that point in time, if he decides to punish me, you know, there may be some type of. I don't know whether Bozo would then kind of start attacking Russia, I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Who I knows? actually thought that uh, this game was approaching the end game as we kind of. as, as we've asked. Both roughhouse and ask Captain Mean like, where do you think are going in the end game? The end game may in fact be a, yeah, long, a long way, way off. <laughs> yeah, may well be, may well be. I might be stuck, you know, calculating 
buy orders for the next six months. Yeah, we'll be, like, <laughs> yeah, we'll be having this conversation at our, our, our second anniversary <laughs> yeah, 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 podcast. Second, at our second Christmas podcast, you know, we'll see what happens. Cost yeah. by cost, definitely for that. Yeah, yeah, we'll see what happens, we'll see what happens. Um, but definitely, you know, a surprise either way in, in regards to what happens there. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I thought was really cool was to chat about the um, one versus one tournament, variant, tournament. Yeah. which um, again two weeks later from now, from now hopefully yeah. maybe finish um, maybe well, definitely the games we were talking about then will have finished, be finished I would yeah. assume um, and we'll, we'll hopefully put some links into the uh, show notes for that one we'll, we'll try to remember to do so we'll try to remember to do so um, and his um, take on Mafia man like Mafia yes. someone actually finally explained it to me I know yeah 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 yeah. will we, you be playing it you actually said you were interested I, I am interested um, I don't know if I've got enough time to be perfectly yeah. honest at the moment I might I don't know how long these things last for but I might think about um, I wonder how long a Mafia game does go for yeah I don't know but I might I really think about it depends on how you get killed yeah I might really have a think about joining the next one if it falls in over the um, the, the, the term break, you know. Two weeks, it can't go longer than two weeks, can it? I'm surely going to be eliminated. I thought they said about then. 20 to 30 players playing, isn't it? And yeah, but someone dies every two days and then... No, no, every day. So there's like morning and night and someone dies at night. Yeah, 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 but the day period goes well, for two, two days, days and the night period goes for one day. Oh, was it? For voting, yeah. Ah. So someone dies, if, two every, people die every three days. I thought one person dies every three days. One person dies every two, no. Listen. Okay, one, I'm listening. One person dies during the day phase. No. And the day phase happens in two days for voting. Okay, yes, the day phase takes two days. I thought people only died at night. No, the townspeople vote on who to kill during the day phase yeah right and then at the end of the day phase that person dies in the night phase which takes one day the mafia vote on who they're going to kill did, did Captain talk about this? he did were you not listening? I told you I shouldn't have been drinking during interviews <laughs> so I don't I was this. having a good old what beer. were you having? I was having a 4x bitter oh, I can't remember what I was having I can't remember now. Anyway. It was a red wine. Um, I didn't pick that up. <laughs> Sorry, Cap. <laughs> and I thought I was kind of getting my shit together. Maybe you need someone to explain it a bit more. Well, yeah, 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 obviously, clearly. But no, I thought I might join up just so I can report back on, you know, my experience on it perhaps. But I, I can't I do it they're going to kill you on day yeah. one. Kane is playing, he's dead, he's got to be Mafia. I thought it was that everyone voted at the same time. Well, you didn't say. I got the feeling that everyone voted to the Game Master, who then collated the votes and then published it. If you decided all of a sudden, like he said, you know, there's like 30 30 Mafia games going, have been going at Web Dip, and it's like, how many did you say over at Play Dip? There's even more, it's like 50, 60, 70? Yeah, 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 there was, yeah, yeah. I reckon that's like, it seems to be a very much, as you said, a culture that's going on there. I yeah. think I think it was mentioned by Zulta as being a culture. So um, I think the risk there is that you turn up as a newbie. Yeah, you get shot down quick. You are not oh. going to last long. Yeah, but still worth the experience, maybe. You're fresh meat. Yeah. Yeah, probably, but, you know, I'll give it a go. 
I will give it a go. I just wanted. Yeah, things are busy at the moment, so you know, I'll wait for things to die down. I must admit, I've been quite lucky in inverted commas again because of um, a number of games I've been playing. I've either maybe an MR and been eliminated, or down to like one supply centre or nothing, or on the way going out. So things are starting to open up for me game-wise, which is good, but I actually want to have a bit of a small break, but now that you, as we said before in the last episode, the whole point situation has been changed, I might need to start playing again. Yeah, well, we're playing for points, Andy. Playing for points, yeah. Well, the last game, I started playing for points, which is an anonymous game, where I'm almost eliminated in that one. Oh, yeah, yeah. Do you want to, do you want to say what variant that is? I'll probably be, I'll probably be, it'll be over by the time I'll play it, which is Mars. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah okay. Which is yeah. Ground Control to Major Tom. <laughs> which, actually, I created hoping that you would play so that... <laughs> I did try to lure you in and did yeah. as an anonymous so that way we wouldn't know who each other were and that we could freely uh, stab each other and not be accused of, you know, uh, preemptive alliances. Yeah, yeah. And you didn't even join. I didn't realise it was starting. What do you mean? You, you kind of showed me that you've been watching it. Yeah, well, when I went to have a look at, um, you know, I, I went to chase up your profile to find what character from the Game of Thrones episode you were, yeah, because you got it up on your thing, and I saw you you were playing a a, a Mars one. I thought, oh, I'll just watch that. Oh, you fucking cheat! Not cheating, just just an interested mod. Oh. <laughs> I, 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 look, you can't help but you know watch the odd game as a variant creator. Well, they say absolute game. power corrupts absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> that was actually part of a much larger um, series of variants which I was thinking about creating at the time. Do you end up making the Venus one or not? No, no, but that was part of it. So the idea was to make four worlds. Yes, yeah, so about the same size. So Mars, Venus, uh, Neptune, and I don't know, another one. When you made Mars, um, how did you make it? Was it based on the real life topography of Mars? I've sent you... I've, I've pointed you in this direction before. Well, you're pointing um, at me I, now, I, quite I literally. Pointed, no, no, quite literally. And you're um, wagging your finger at me. Um, 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 it was... It's... It's, um, it, it's that variant history maps spot. I, I'm sure I've sent you the... Variant-history-maps-spot.com yeah, but, but but this is this is like a, a this space is a diplomacy where, archive or something. It's not. It's nothing it's to do with diplomacy. World, diplomacy it's, actually, it's actually a bunch of guys who who are mad keen um, alternate history buffs, right. right? And part of that is making maps of the world realistically around different alternative histories. Actually, I've kind of stumbled on these guys through random things on Maps the internet. Searches. Yep. Yeah. Um, but but in that archive, um, there's this. There, there was a map of uh, Mars, so that's what I used it to base on. And then um, I pretty much followed Kim Stanley Robinson's terraforming of Mars trilogy and uh, flooded where it needed to be flooded and put supply centres where you know he had his cities. So. 
I thought Kim was a woman. Kim Stanley Robinson? Yeah. No, he's a bloke. Is it like Kim, like Kim Hughes? As in Kimball. I feel like Kim Hughes. Never heard of Kim Hughes. <laughs> Fuck, Kana. Oh, I forget how young you are. <laughs> Kim Hughes was the captain of Australian cricket back in the uh, early 80s. Yeah, who cares? Before Alan Border. Okay, I heard of him. Oh, fuck. Anyway, so, um, yes, I've been playing Mars. And, and not doing too well. Not doing very well. I think I'm down yeah. to one or two supplies. Sorry, it's SCs in that one. But, um... Actually, we're, know, we're, we're going actually, to talk we're about... Just we, we're, are we all joining this big, massive World War Four map at the moment? The furnace of something? Furnace of affliction. Yeah. We are all joining. We're waiting for one more person to join up. Well, we started, but then yeah. it kind of fell in the shit. Fell apart, you know, because of stuff we talked about last episode. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the next one's going to start. Everyone's joined except one. It'll join. Um, Anyone knows who everyone is? Yeah, it'll who be interesting you? to see. You're a Texas. Yeah, you're... You're Texas like that. You're Nigeria. I'm Nigeria. Yep. I'm going to invite you. I've got, I've got a prince that needs some money to fund in your, uh, your bank account. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, it will be interesting to see if everyone builds in the same way as they built last season in the original game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of people saying, yeah, 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 we'll build the same way, but will they? Yeah, it'll be waste to be seen. Because the first turn hadn't, though the build turn, yeah, had had come and gone. Process had it or had it? It had, so people had a chance to see who built what. We'll wait and see if the uh, if, if, if round two sees the same builds. Yeah. So there's that. I've now managed to be kicked out of my plated games. So it's good. I recently won a rap rules. Rat Wars. Yeah. That's another one of your variants. It's another one of my variants. Because you made Mars. I did make Mars. Um, but we'll talk more about that one when you've resolved your game. When I'm formally you, dead. Yeah, you know. You can As give opposed your, just to being a light support. Yeah, you give me your, um, you know, your opinion on it. Well, let's um, talk Rat Wars. Rat Wars. Have you played Rat Wars? I've never played Rat Wars. Yet another one of my variants you've never played. What the fuck? Well, I mean, oh, you... you I played every one of your variants, and you haven't touched any of them. Jesus, but it's Rat Wars. So what? I played Mars. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Bravo. <laughs> you know. um, anyway, I don't blame you to be honest. It's, it's a it's a grid scenario. So let's talk Rat Wars because I've always been kind of confused by it. That's probably why I've never played it. What's confusing about it? It's all confusing. It's all. <laughs> Um, so you you, 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 you have a, you have a, you start off, it's, it's a fog a of war, it's a fog of war. Is it a fog of war? It's a fog of war. Okay. So you don't know where your other players are playing. Um, well, you know they're in the corners, you start in the corners of the house, don't you? Yeah, you do. Um, you've got Hellcats, um, What the fuck are Hellcats? Dead Rabbits, Plug Uglies and Shirt Tails. Is that just the name of the players? That's the name of the team. Oh. Essentially. I thought there was some type of random, you know... Thing that happens, like a Hellcat comes in and he's a, he's a rat. No, that's just the um, that's just the green player. Because okay. I had to call him something, so I just went off. Um, uh, you know the four ga- the gangs of New York. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. So I just chose four gangs of New York. That okay. were, um, yeah, 
rats, essentially. As with Leonardo DiCaprio, wasn't it? That's the one, yeah. yeah. Never watched it. That's a terrible movie, but, you know, based on historical fact. Oh, it's still a terrible movie. Um, anyway, so you've got two units you can build. Um, you've got... Rats and rats? Rats, small rats and big rats. <laughs> you've, got, you've, got, you've got spear rats and you've got arrow rats. Ooh, okay, yeah, tell you, me more. Alright, so your spear your map rats. Spear map. Spear blah. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, you know, it's like a grid, but your spear rats can move one space in any direction. Yeah? Spear, one space in any direction. Got it, yeah. Um, at, at their, at their, you know, blah, blah. But your arrow rats can move up to three spaces, either vertically, horizontally, but they can't move diagonally. No diagonal. Okay. Yeah, so they can only go you know, up, down, left, or right. Yep, got it. Yep. Now, it's been built so that everyone can get the same amount of builds in the first season and second season if they sort of, you know, figure this one out. But these walls that occur sporadically around the map, the arrow rats can jump over that wall. Right, directly over that wall. Yep. But arrow rats, uh, but spear rats, spear rats can't. Can't. They have to go around the walls. And that's about it. Oh no, there's one more thing. There's certain um, supply centers on the board, which have got a little red um, border around them. Yep. They can only be occupied. And a dot. Yep. Yeah, there's the supply centers. But they can only be occupied by spear rats. They can't be occupied by arrow rats. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. That's really interesting. So, I'm, I'm saying that's interesting from a coding perspective about future. Again, if, we, if we're kind of reusing hacks upon hacks, or taking a hack and making it a long-term sustainable solution, that's something I think that could be useful in many games. Um, where you want to kind of play with the rules. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I mean, this this game, I lucked out. Um, the, the Hellcats went after the Plug Uglies and the um, uh, the Dead Rabbits went after the Plug Uglies. Um, the Plug Uglies came out on top against the Hellcats and the Dead Rabbits were in like a bit of a heat. But no one sort of came towards my corner and I was able to... Um, pretty much control the board. Right. And um, you won. And I, I end up winning. Um, which is, I don't know, if it, I, I have won on this map before. So you were purple? I was purple. And I won. Um, it, which is the Pug Uglies? Uh, no, I wanted a shirt tail. Oh, shirt tails, okay. The Pug Uglies came in second at 10 supply centers. They're blue. They're blue. Um, but I was lucky in that, you know... Um, I was able to expand without any real uh, resistance because they had all kind of gone the opposite direction. Um, often, what happens, I, I, I think, in a, in a in a grid type environment, um, is that players tend to read left to right, like they read in writing. Yeah. Um, so they forget about you. Well, no. Normally, green. The, the, the Hellcats will attack shirt tails. Yeah. Green will attack purple. Green will attack purple. Blue um, will attack pink. 
Yeah, and that's often what happens. And vice versa, it just goes like this. Um, that the, the purple will attack green and the, the pink will attack blue. So looking at the map, there's not many supply centres on it. Um, no, there's... So uh, when you start, do you have supply centres in your main little area, or what's the deal? Yeah, you start with three supply centres. Right, and then there's not many supply centres in the middle. Um, it, it's, it's scattered throughout the board. So how many supply centres do you need to win? Uh, you need to win... Da, 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 16. Really? just over half. There's 31 supply centres on the board. You're kidding me, that doesn't look like 31 supply centres there. But there are. There's 31 supply centres. Well, yeah, actually, now that I'm actually paying attention to the board, you might be right. Just some of them aren't in a red box. What's the deal with some of them when they don't have a red box around them? Uh, arrow rats and spear rats can take them. Ah, okay, so Thanks. only your rats can take the red boxes? That's right, yeah. The ones that can move, you know, three moves at a time can't take the red boxes. Right. Centers. Okay. And what's the deal with some of these things saying DR and ST? What's that deal? Oh, this is the names of the territories, right? There's 255 territories on this board. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Remember what I was telling you about variant creation? Yeah. That's one less than the... Yeah, so... No, no, I understand. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I split all... like the, See these, these uh, larger borders, right? That's purely to be able to uh, visually see how it's ordered. In this, the first quadrant is A quadrant. And you've got A1, A2, A3, A4, A5. That's just the name of the territories. Yeah. This next quadrant is B, C, D, E, F, G, so on and so forth. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. So that's how it works. And then in each quadrant, so quadrant A has 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. There's no 9. Okay. Yeah. It's just a way of unifying... The areas, yeah, yeah, the territories to make sense out of a uh, on almost a. So, where did you get the idea for this? I actually developed up a board game um, unrelated to diplomacy, um, and they kind of combined elements of Carcassonne um, and Labyrinth. Um, in a uh, almost a role playing right. type thing, um, and so you, you have this board, and it's a tile laying. <coughs> it's a tile laying board. You have to lay down the tiles in such a way as to move your armies um, to control resources, which allow for um, like risk. Oh yeah, in yeah. many ways, right? Yep. And I thought, oh yeah, I'll take some of that idea and put it into a diplomacy environment, and um, that was the that was the result. So, as a developer, and particularly after playing it and winning it, in an ideal world, if we had a lab environment that allowed for easy, quick, easy changes, would you make any changes to it in the gameplay now? I'd probably make it a bit smaller. Right, I'll make the, I might make the arrow rats move two 
spaces at a time instead of three. Yep. So it's a bit too much of an overleap. Yep. Um, but I was mindful of that uh, that German variant. Um, the 1648. The 1648 and, and how the movement of two in all directions was... Um, this turns into a bit of a nightmare, actually. Um, so I wanted to make... Okay, because I wanted units that could move a long distance, but I had, she had limited mobility. Can I ask a question? This is from a developer point of view with issues that I've had with Paris with retreating, with clippers. Yeah. So those... Um, sorry, arrows can go how many spaces? Up to three spaces. Spears can go how many spaces? One. So... If an arrow is disbanded yep. and can retreat, how far can it retreat back? Three. Three. In any direction that it can go either up, down, left, right, but not diagonal. Yes. Okay. It can retreat to any space it can move to, but it can't retreat to the attacking room. So you can't so you basically you retreat the same number that you can attack. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm trying to fix that. I mean, it, it, it would be ideal, again, you know, if the code was there if, to if have the rat's a retreat. If the rat like, smacked around a bit, it shouldn't yeah. be able to retreat so much. Retreat one space. Yes. Yeah. Which is a similar thing what you're talking about with the pirates. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so, as a winner, congratulations again. What's the winning strategy to winning Rat War set? Luck. It, comes down to, it just comes down to luck. You know, I, I've, I've played a number of these ones. I've been ringed a few times. I've won a few of them. Um, but in the end, it comes down to luck. So as a developer of Rat Wars, do you play it a fair bit? I've played a few of them, yeah. Um, just I reckon your, your Rat Wars is my 1066. <laughs> it's the variant that you make that you go, I like playing this, Matt. I do. I do actually secretly enjoy playing it. When I see a new one pop up, I'm like, ooh. That needs one more player to start it. I'll join it. I can't help myself. I'll join it. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Oh, well, I'll have to watch if there's a Rat Wars out. And... You should give it a go, Andy. You know you love trying new things. Well, you know, maybe I might, maybe I won't. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway. Enough on, enough on, enough on my su- recent success. Is there anything else we need to talk about? We're pretty I'm much done. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. Do we have anything more in the rat shoot? Run shoot? Rat shoot? Rat shoot. Do you have No, I think we're pretty much done. All right, let's end it with a joke. You got a joke? No, I haven't got a joke. Sorry. <laughs> Alright. Have you got a joke? Um, yes, I do. Old lady goes to, goes to uh, heaven. Yes. With two of her friends, okay, and they're pearly gates, and they get let into the pearly gates. And um, Saint Peter says, "Whatever you do, don't step on the ducks." Right? Okay, okay. That, that's the number one rule of being in heaven: don't step on the ducks. All right, okay. So you know they wander around. Ducks. Not in our ibises. There's, there's fucking. This changes to ibis. Don't step on the ibis. But there's, there's, there's ducks everywhere. There's yep. fucking ducks everywhere. Anyway, so the first couple of days, the, the first lady steps on a duck, and bam, she's chained to a uh, 
a decrepit old guy, you know, <laughs> you know, bam, <coughs> you're chained to this guy for all eternity. All right, okay. Anyway, the next lady comes along, you know, a few weeks later, bam, steps on a duck. It's another lady that turns up to heaven. Okay. <coughs> well, there were three of them, you see. Right. And the first, they turn up to heaven at the same time, they're in a car and something like that. They turn at the same time or a couple of weeks apart? No, they're at the heaven at the same time, they're friends. Okay, yeah. but, but they, they step on the ducks, ducks at different times. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the second one stepped on a duck okay. and bam, you know, here comes a, you know, this decrepit old guy in a wheelchair. But I, bam, thought, I thought they were old chain. ladies, so they wouldn't matter too much being with decrepit old guys, would they? Yeah, but they're in heaven, yeah? They were better. Anyway. The third lady, the third lady, very careful about seeing what happened to her friends. Yeah? Yep. Doesn't step on any fucking duck. Did the second one get a really bad... Yeah, horrid guy, horrid guy, you know, face melted. Yeah? Okay, like, greatest of all stuck style. Exactly, yeah. The third lady, absolutely careful about not stepping on a fucking duck. Yeah? Yep. Months pass. And then all of a sudden, St. Peter appears, right, and bam, she's hobbled against this adorable hunk. You know, this guy is just like, oh, so sexy. She's just, oh, amazed. And she says to the guy, what did I have to do to deserve you? And he says, I don't know, lady, but I stepped on a fucking duck. I think we'll wrap things up. I'm Andy. I'm Kana. Cheers. Don't forget to rate and review. At least he's jokes. Don't worry about the fucking podcast. Just rate rate Kana's jokes. Nice one. Cheers. Bye, guys.